0: So we're getting into a little bit more Cincinnati Bengals, man. We're we're turning the page. We're turning the page. We're leave, we're, we're crumbling up the the Seattle game, throwing up, throwing it behind us, throwing it in the trash, and moving forward. So we're gonna get into all that and more right here. Keep it locked, San Francisco Forty Niners Morning Show. San Francisco Forty Niners Morning Show. Let's go.
1: It
0: is tipped off by Eric Walker over midfield. He'll run it all the way into the end
1: zone
0: touchdown. Yeah. Crop Talk TV podcast. TV podcast. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back. Eric Crocker, man, and I'm here. I'm back. I just got done working out. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. And hey, you guys ever go work out in the morning and then it just, it feels like it just gives you this whole different like vibe, just this whole different bounce to start your day. I swear. I swear. I got to get back to, to being consistent with that. I did work out yesterday after the show and that was cool or whatever. But this morning, you know, getting in there at 7 a.m., working out, you know what I'm saying? Getting the sweat going, Listen to some podcasts. I, I got a different little bounce to my step right now. I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling comp. I feel like I accomplished something. You know, we're about to get to the 49er stuff. But y'all know sometimes I come on here and I you know I got some other stuff to talk about. I I think my tolerance for lazy people is like is 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 getting less and less like my tolerance. Like I I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. So my whole house is gonna hate me. In a in a minute, because I really feel like everybody in my house is lazy. <laughs> everybody with me. I can't, I can't go through feeling like I bust my ass, like I do everything. And I always feel like, man, I could do more. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I always feel like, man, E. Okay, you did this, this, this okay, but you, man, man, you could do more, E. That's what I always tell myself, right? I feel like everybody in my house, hella lazy. And it's like, why am I the one that's going above and beyond all the time to do more? So now I'm finna get on your ass. I'm finna get on y'all ass we cannot tolerate lazy people we can't so listen as someone I always feel like you know I feel like you're not you know you're not you're not a real homie if you came you know be real to your your people so I'm gonna be a real homie to y'all and if y'all y'all being lazy man get off y'all ass man like go do something about it go go get after create a list Create your own little schedule for each day. Knock out those things. Give yourself a certain amount of time, right? Like, all right, I want to do X, Y, Z by noon. And then knock those things out. Get the Lazy people, man. And it's in my house. It's almost like cancerous. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then it like starts to affect everything else. Can't do the lazy. So I mean, y'all gotta let me know how to go about this. Do I have a, a meeting? Tell everybody, all right, y'all, this is what it's going to be, and this is how I'm going to be. And if y'all don't like it, not saying y'all got to leave. Obviously, they can't leave. But, hey, you you can either do something about it (laughs) or, you know what I'm saying, or keep hearing me all the time. But I'm finna get on people's ass. That's what's finna happen. We can't do the laziness, and I won't allow y'all to be lazy. So, y'all in here in the chat right now, I got my dog. Listen, I'm calling you out, Chris. I'm calling you out, Chris. Chris, this is my dog. Me and Chris, we talk every day. We text every day. If you, I mean, this is me and Chris talking every day, you know, about the show, everything. Chris, if you don't get your lazy ass up and, and you should have worked out already, what is it, 6 30 a.m.? Fuck it, work out up 5 30 a.m. to 6. It didn't come on the show. 30 minutes. So, Chris, that's my dog. I got to call him out. Who else? Who else in here? Who else do I need to call out in here? I'm going to start calling y'all out. Make sure y'all working out, man. Y'all got to start checking in. We got to make sure that we getting right. We got to make sure we get right. <laughs> That's right, man. Chris, get your lazy ass up, man. Let's go. Yes. I'm talking about my wife. I'm talking about my kids. I'm talking about my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law lives with me. My mother-in-law lives with me. She got to get her lazy ass up, too. All y'all sleeping in and hell and late and stuff, man. Get your shit in Get up, man. So now I got to pull out the belt on everybody in the crib. And my dog Chris and everybody else. Anybody else that needs to hear this? Get up, work out. Let's get right. And it hit me this morning because I woke up and I worked out. And I I mean, I felt so good. I'm like, man, let's go, man. Let's go. Anyways, man, y'all know what it is. This is San Francisco 49ers morning show. We're getting into the 49ers against Cincinnati Bengals. I saw a stat that my dog Chris pulled up. Mm, Very interesting. Very interesting. So we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into, you know. 49ers' pass defense is tops in yards, passing touchdowns, average yards per reception. That goes against a lot of what y'all be saying. Listen, I am not one to say that the 49ers have a great defense. I'm not one to say the 49ers have a great pass defense. I'm not saying that the 49ers' uh, defensive backs are great. I ain't saying none of that. But 49 pass defense topping yards, passing touchdowns, average yards per reception. That's not I'm not I'm that's not me saying it. I mean, I've been telling y'all that they're not as bad as y'all say they are. I've been saying that, but that's not this is not me. This is just the numbers. That's the numbers saying that. Or do y'all think the numbers are lying? I don't know. Maybe y'all think the numbers are lying. But it's funny, like people pick and choose what numbers are lying or not. You know what I'm saying? Somebody could say, hey, look at these numbers. they like, that's not, that's not, right? Or, blah, blah, blah. you know, <laughs> it's like y'all pick and choose, man. Why can't we just admit that the 49 pass defense isn't as bad as everybody says? Now, again, are we, because here we go, got my guy, the Jedi, the All-22 told this story on who the problem is. We know. My dog, Jedi, you in here every day. And, and you hear some of the things I be saying in here about past coverage and really kind of my philosophy on it. And I've talked about how if you watch all 22 on every team in the league, you will see some of that same stuff. You're going to see blown coverages. You're going to see guys wide open. You're going to see a quarterback overthrow somebody that was butt naked down the field. Like it doesn't matter who you watch, you can see it in the forty 49er nine game. Forty nine against Seahawks. Forty nine probably just didn't take advantage of it. Hell, matter of fact, when Jimmy G threw the interception, if he would have threw it to Trent Shurfield, it's probably an eighty yard touchdown. Like those things happen. And again, we talk about Jimmy G and his misses. Other quarterbacks miss too. Russell Wilson missed. I'm pretty sure we can go and show Tom Brady miss. We can show. I mean, Tom Brady just threw a pick six. Like this stuff happens, man. It's good on good. It's good on good. Now, is, and I know y'all want to talk about Josh Norman. Is he a liability? Yes, of course. But we got to look at the whole everything. It's, we make a bigger deal out of some of this stuff, man. We make a bigger deal. And again, it, it comes because it comes from us. We pay so much attention to the 49ers. I challenge you guys. I challenge Everybody in this chat right now, we got 50 people in here right now. I challenge everybody. Go watch other teams. Please go watch other teams. (laughs) Please go watch other teams. You said Jimmy missed open receivers. Okay, listen. Now, I did see one play. I saw one play. Somebody posted it, and they were like, look, Jimmy Garoppolo missed Brandon. Now you're going to play. I'm here to tell you, if Jimmy throws that, it's getting picked off. It is getting picked off now. If I would have taken his route up a little bit more, then yeah. But with the way that I ran his route, if Jimmy throws it, it's picked. It's picked by the time he went to go throw the ball, Jimmy throws it, it's picked. That guy that's underneath, he's dropping back, he's picking that off. I promise you. I saw that on Twitter. I didn't respond to it, I didn't want to be all like right, you know, but that was a bit pick. But yeah, Jimmy be tripping. We know that. We know that. Listen, y'all can't let y'all can't let. I'm not even gonna watch all 22 on Jimmy Garoppolo. We know who he is. We know how he misses. It is do you want to watch it to see the same thing over and over and over? We know what he is. We know what he's gonna do. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna waste my energy on watching all 22 of of Jimmy Garoppolo to confirm something. Everybody knows. <laughs> you, see, you know what I'm saying? Everybody. Anyways, man, let's get into it, man. Underdog fantasy promo code crocky. Download the app right now or go to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code crocky. When you when you guys go to underdog fantasy, they got over- unders, all type of things, and not just for football, man, basketball, football, baseball, all that stuff, man. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code CROCKY. Also, manscape. Manscape. Stop stop walking around looking crazy. Go get sexy for your lady. You know what I'm saying? Trim up real nice. Surprise your girl. Surprise. And she's gonna be like, ooh, you looking like porno star. You know what I'm saying? You wanna look like porno star? Go to manscaped.com right now. They got the new performance pack 4.0 out. All right. Promo code Crocky. you're gonna get 20% off the whole website. So promo code crocky, 20% off the whole website on manscaped.com. I'm telling you. It changed everything. You, you hope I'm telling you, y'all. Y'all start, you know, what I'm saying you start manscaping and stuff, then you start doing all kinds of moves and stuff. You know, what I'm saying be back there, like, yeah, you know, what I'm saying. So, listen, I'm trying to tell y'all, y'all want to get like me now. Listen, I can do all this and I can, you know, what I'm saying crazy because one, I'm married, but two, I, I got a vasectomy, so I can't even have kids no more. But if I could have kids, I'm telling you, the, the manscaping and stuff, I pro- it probably would add about three more kids because I start going crazy. All right, so manscaped promo code crocky 20% off. The whole, you know, the four, the performance pack, all that right now. All right, so go do that. You guys, make sure you guys do that. Promo code Crocky, Manscaped.com, the new performance pack 4.0. All right, let's get into it, man. We're talking about the 49ers today, and we're getting into the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. Interesting things here with the Cincinnati Bengals. One, Jamar Chase, he stands out. Everybody, everybody knows that he's very talented. Just shy of a 1,000 yards. Probably go over a thousand yards this, this game. I mean, he's he, he's about what 50, 40 yards or so away from a thousand yards. One interesting thing with Jamar Chase, and not that the opportunities aren't there, but Jamar Chase hasn't been over 50 yards in the last five games now, straight. So that's interesting for someone who started off so hot. It's, it's kind of cooled down a little bit. The opportunity is there. He dropped this weird ball. He did kind of like Jerry Everett, like ball. Oh, it's intercepted and it's going back the other way. That could have been a big play, probably a walk-in touchdown. I just saw somebody say, man, he's point-shaven. shaving." Okay. right, so, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, obviously we know you know how talented Jamar Chase is. Very talented. But the passing defense as a whole, the 10th in the league, averaging 311 yards passing the game. 49ers don't average giving up that much. Now, again, for everything y'all want to say about 49ers, I know Moses is missing and stuff like that. We'll see what happens. But for whatever 49ers don't give up a ton of passing yards. They just don't. All right. Uh, The rushing yards, they're 18th. Now, they do have a terrific back that they're starting to feed more. And we'll get more into this conversation that is later in the week. But they have a running back that they're feeding more in mixing. And we'll see what's up with him. I think the thing that really kind of jumps out to me Joe Burrow, he's good. Good quarterback. But how With Joe Burrow, he hurt his finger. I was watching the game. He hurt his finger. So we'll see how much that affects him moving forward. I don't think he had the best game against the L.A. Chargers. Now, T. Higgins, he had a terrific game. All right, That's the guy. Everybody's talking about Jamar Chase, man. T. Higgins, he's nice. Uh, Jamar Chase, obviously, he's legit, too. He is the more talented receiver. But uh, Joe Burrow hurt his finger through multiple interceptions. There's going to be some opportunities. If that finger, we'll see if if it's fractured, if it's dislocated, whatever it is, whatever's going on with that finger, we'll see if that affects him uh, moving forward against the 49ers. We see what happened with Russell Wilson. And his play has been kind of up and down, right? And I think a lot of Russell Wilson's play has been affected by his finger. And we'll see if that happens with Joe, uh, Joe Burrow. It says his pinky swollen. And it just depends. I should have a football. It depends on how he grips the ball. But any fingers, like you do use all your fingers to, to grip a football and throw. And it snaps off a certain way. We'll see if that, if that pinky, whatever finger it is, ends up hurting him. But I think for the most part, what the 49ers want to do, you want to limit the big play. And 49ers have been really good with that. Really good. 49ers have been really good with, lim- with limiting the big play. I get it. Y'all don't want to give 49ers DBs no prop. I know. That's cool because I'm going to do it for y'all. All right. 49ers have been terrific at limiting the big play. They're going to have to continue to limit it this Now, is that to say that Jamar Chase won't have a big play? No, I'm not saying that. But can you limit it a little bit? Maybe he has one big play because he is a terrific vertical threat. And if I'm them, Oh, yeah, I'm testing the 49ers' DBs vertically. One, you got Josh Norman. He does all kind of weird stuff. Sometimes he's in position, and sometimes he has a big cushion. That Sometimes he doesn't give enough cushion. I don't know. He doesn't know exactly how he wants to play. So you got Josh Norman. I'd test him vertically. Uh, you got Dante Johnson, who's probably going to start. I would test him vertically as well. <laughs> I I would, I would test him vertically as well. So that's one thing that really jumps out about the, the, the Bengals. Their defense, whatever. I'm not worried about their defense. I saw their defense get torched by, what's his name, White Mike? Mike White? Mike White? Mike White from the Jets. Torched them. Threw for 400 yards, like four touchdowns, whatever it was. Torched the Bengals' defense. Has anybody thrown for 400 yards on the 49ers? Because y'all act like that's what everybody's doing every week. But Mike White torched the Bengals' defense. I'm not really worried about their defense. We will get into how some of the 49ers' injuries can affect their offense and some of the things they would do. Obviously, this is titled, can the 49ers incorporate Trey Lance? Can Trey Trey Lance bring a different element to the 49ers' offense and potentially make it more explosive in the running game? Running game has been really stagnant now. Can Trey Lance help with that? We'll get to that. But right now we're talking about the Bengals' offense against the 49ers' defense. And I don't think it's as much as a, of a mismatch as people think. Now, that's not to say that the Bengals can't be explosive and do some things or they won't have their moments. Again, it is the NFL. They're going to get theirs. They have good players on that, on and explosive players and a quarterback that will throw the ball down the field. They will get theirs. They will get theirs. There will be times when a corner gets beat. I'm letting you all know right now. But how often will it happen? I think that's the part that 49 need to focus on. You got to limit the big plays from Jamar Chase. Let's talk about Jamar Chase a little bit and kind of what my scouting report was on him. So Jamar Chase was touted as a generational talent. I pushed back on that. Because when I think of generational talent, And to me, maybe my expectations are just higher or different than other people's. But when I think of generational talent, I think of a a guy that you literally can only get once a generation. And we're talking about prospect, right? We're talking about as prospects. That's what he was. Jamar Chase was pegged and, and labeled as a generational prospect. I pushed back on that and did not think that he was that. Terrific receiver. Really good generational, I had to back off that a little bit. I'm still taking heat for that, and I don't know why. He's really good. He's an excellent receiver. Generational to me is, as a prospect, you Calvin Johnson. When you're 6'5", 235 pounds, 240 pounds, run the way that he did. Be able to do the things that he did. Calvin Johnson, that's a generational prospect to me. You know, I see somebody in the chat. Let me see where I see. I just saw A generational talent is more like Megatron, Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Even though Julio wasn't even the first receiver taken in that class, it was actually A.J. Green. But even A.J. Green, guys that are like, it's like, wow, I can't get anything like this. Like, You know what I'm saying? Julio, 6'3", 225 pounds, ran 4'3". A.J. Green, 6'4", to be able to move the way he did. Like, it's hard to get those type of guys. Like, that is more generational to me than... A really good receiver that's six foot, 200 pounds. Okay, runs well. Struggles with separation, like okay, but he can catch the vertically, you know, the deep ball. Awesome, right? So that was kind of my thing on Jamar Chase. Can he win consistently on, you know, underneath routes, routes right now? Things where you need him, you can count on him to get open. I was like, can he do it consistently? And I, I, I didn't think so, right? I didn't, I didn't think so. And I'm not wrong. What's been the biggest issue? What how has Jamar Chase gotten most of his production? It's the goal routes, right? It's the deep balls. It's the, you know what I'm saying? There was a play against the Ravens where he like caught like a bang eight, broke a tackle, and took off. He's extremely talented. But he is a vertical threat. If I'm the 49ers, it's tough because you want your defensive backs to be more aggressive with him, but he can run by you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's the part that, you know, with Jamar Chase, he he has legit vertical speed. I would be aggressive with him because when I watched his film and I watched his All-22 and I did those breakdowns on him, a lot of it was he can win vertically, but he also loses that same way and he struggles to create separation. Now, if you let him just – if you let them just continue to air it out to him, then he can beat you that way. But I would probably be more physical with him. Here's how you stop Jamar Chase. I don't want to say stop. Here's how you limit Jamar Chase. You play too high. If you play too high, I think you'll limit Jamar Chase. And What I mean by that is be aggressive with him at the line of scrimmage because he's typically not somebody that's going to beat you right now. Right? Typically not someone that's going to beat you right now. So be aggressive with him there and have, you know, too high. So, okay, I'm not worried about him running by Dante Johnson. And I bet you, you will limit what he does. If, if Jamar Chase has any chance of beating the 49ers in this game, it would be because the 49ers play single high. And he will get you. And Jam- and his quarterback, Joe Burrow, will air that hole out. He will. So, play aggressive with him at the line of scrimmage. You got to do more to high. And I believe that will, that will be how you limit Jamar Chase in this game. Now, 49ers will tell you, Crock, shut the hell up. We're going to play our defense. We don't give up big plays consistently right, in the secondary. That hasn't been an issue, right? That's what the 49ers would tell me. So I saw my guy Chris post a chat in here, and I asked, have the 49ers given up a 400-yard passer? Because the Bengals have. No team has passed for 400 yards on the 49ers this year. And they played against some good quarterbacks. They played against Aaron Rodgers. They played against um Russell Wilson twice now. They played against Kyler Murray once, and then Colt McCoy. Kyle Murray didn't have a big game. What do you throw for, like, 200 yards or something like that? I mean, you know, 49ers have done a good job limiting big plays and not having explosive passing performances against them. Now we talk about the other guy, all right, and the other guy is T. Higgins. And T. Higgins, the, he's – I don't want to say he's more difficult to stop, but just his length, that, that can pose a problem. Really, both of these guys are terrific contested catch guys. That can pose a problem. Here we go. Jared Goff, 338 yards on the 49ers was the most. And that's a good amount. And that's also a dude that had to throw the ball so much because they were down 41 to 17 with two minutes left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, Our offense limits possessions. That's why we were not giving up a lot of yards. I don't agree with this. I think you could say that in some of the games. But the 49ers played against the, the Seahawks in the first matchup. And the the defense forced five straight three and outs. But the, the offense wasn't moving the ball. They moved the ball on like the first drive. Offense wasn't really scoring points. For, the offense only scored seven points in that game. I'd go back and think that the, the Seahawks won the time of possession. 49ers came out. For five straight three and outs on defense. That's why they don't give up a lot of yards. Yeah. Only only last few. It's only been the, those last th- those three game winning streaks, they ran the ball 40 times. And, and that was big time ball control. That hadn't really been the 49ers most of the season. Look at the Eagles game. 49ers came out three straight, three and outs. Offense wasn't holding the ball in that game. The defense was holding it down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got. Y'all make me mad. Y'all finna make me mad. We got to start get putting a little bit more respect on the 49ers defense and the pass defense. They're not bad, y'all. They're not bad. They're not bad. Are they great? No. Could you do better? Yes. Do you want to improve? Of course. But y'all got to, we we got to put a little bit more respect, y'all. Tries. We can't, we're telling you the facts, and then you keep coming with something else. Now it's, oh, some of those teams suck. Like, come on. Come on, Trice. Come on, man. Just get a 49. Can you just admit that they're not as bad as you think? Just, to, just okay, the defense isn't as bad as I think it is. And then I'll stop. Appreciate everybody that's in here right now. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, Underdog Fantasy promo code Crocky. Manscaped Monday passed, but you can go to Manscaped right now. Manscaped.com. Use promo code Crocky and get 20% off of everything at Manscaped. What are we expecting from the 49ers' offense this week? All right, what are we expecting from the 49ers' offense? I think uh, I think the 49ers' offense is going to have a good game. And this is what happens, right? We we get on Jimmy Garoppolo and we talk about, oh, man, like, Ben's Jimmy and this and that. And then he comes out and he has a good game. And I think that's that's what is going to happen. I think Jimmy's going to come out. He's, out, he's going to have a good game against the, the Bengals and then is going to be able to put behind the whole Trey Lance talk. But I'm not going to stop with this Trey Lance talk. And I feel like the 49ers should incorporate him in the offense. Now, we all have. And I'll put it away. I've crumbled up the thought of Trey Lance playing this year and said, you know what? It's it's not not necessary. But I would love to see, like, we can't do anything with him to where he expands on the offense because that was the thing, right? Coming in, it wasn't necessarily about Trey Lance starting. It really was more so about Trey Lance, like, can he come in? Like, can he change, you know, can he bring a different dynamic? Can it utilize it? We saw a little bit against the Raiders. He's like, wow, what is this? Jimmy's in, and then, oh, Trey's in, and then Jimmy's in. And now Kyle's like, well, mess up the rhythm. I don't even want to focus on that. Can't do that. But it's like, Kyle, this is a legit weapon. This is a a legit opportunity to use, to, to make teams worry about something different. Right now, the run game, the run game works because the 49ers continue to just run the ball. Even when even when the 49ers run the ball, they're not really running it at a high clip. I want to say last game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did they average three yards per carry? So why not have somebody that can help expand on that and expand on the run game? I thought that's what he was going to be doing this year. I think Jimmy's going to do fine this year. I think Jimmy's going to do fine. I think Jimmy's going to – not this year, this game. I think Jimmy's going to have a really good game against Cincinnati Bengals. I can see that. But I still think, like, we can't be a little bit more explosive with certain things that we do, more creative. It's so odd. It's so odd. Here we go. We got My guy Gary Cole, he says, 2.9 yards per carry. That's not a good run game. 2.9 yards a carry? And it's crazy because it's a 2.9 yards to carry. And on top of that, they're crowd in the box. They're making it tough. They're crowd in the middle of the field. They're making it a little bit harder to throw there. It's like, man, you gotta have you know uh uh George Kittle catch a crosser route and break a tackle and make a guy miss and then tight rope a sideline for 50 yards to have explosive plays. Well, I feel like you can bring a different dynamic that it just opens things up and it's like how it only helps you with your offense. We can't script that into at least the first 15 plays. I don't know. It's really wild to me. Would love to see him utilize Lance in that aspect. I'm not saying start Trey Lance, even though I would. But I'm not saying start Trey Lance. But damn. Y'all look at the offense right now Okay, here's the thing. And I know there's a lot of people, I see the chat, people like, uh, he's not playing Trey Lance. We, that's not, I can come on here and tell you everything that they're not going to do, but we can't have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? We can't have a conversation. They're not, they're not, uh, they're not going to bench Josh Norman, but y'all still love talking about it every week. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it would be nice to see Kyle Shanahan utilize Trey Lance to open up things because it it would, it would. And we've seen it. And we've seen the conflict that that puts defenses in. And the fact that he's just not utilizing it is like, Kyle, what are we doing, bro? I think one thing that it really helped is what's going to go on with, with our guy, Debo Samuel. Is Debo Samuel going to play? You know, because that, that, that's probably, you're going to miss him on the offensive side of the ball, of course. But just with Debo, it's the, it's the plays that you can't account for, right? I think, you know, and talk your shit, Croc. I think with Debo Samuel, I watched last game and I was thinking, what play would Debo Samuel have made a difference on? You know, what would his production be like? And you know the crazy thing with with Debo Samuel? you You just never know. Because the way they utilize him is is just so much different, right? He can catch a slant, take it to the crib. I saw a crazy stat. Debo Samuel leads the league in yards. It, it was, was it yards after catch? Debo Samuel leads the league. And he leads the league in yards after catch by like two, right? Now typically people that lead the lead in yards after catch, is typically running backs, all right. Why why do running backs usually lead in yards after catch? Because typically they catch the ball near the line of scrimmage or around the line of scrimmage, they turn up field and they pick up seven eight yards. So then they end up having a high yards after catch average because of that, right? But the average depth of target typically isn't high for teams for players that typically have a high yards after catch average. So if you look at the second person, right, the second. The second leader in yards after catch, I believe it's uh Rondell Moore from Arizona. So Rondell Moore from Arizona, he's second right now in yards after catch. Right? He's his average depth of target was like two yards. Debo Samuels' average depth of target was almost nine yards. And he's first in yards after catch. That's special. That means he's doing, he's doing Debo's doing some things that nobody else in the league is doing. So, Rondell Moore, his is screen plays. His yards after catch, screen plays. Deebo Samuel, his average depth of target is almost nine yards. That means he's, he's, he's catching and running for big yardage. Now, some of them you can look at the catch against the Detroit Lions down the sideline. The average depth of that target was probably, what, 35 yards? And then he had another 35 yards on top of that with yards after catch. You know what I'm saying? So, Debo, he's special. And hopefully he plays because I think that's going to be a big part of the offense. Big part of offense. All right, here we go real quick. We're going to take a break real quick. I want to thank everybody that's in the chat right now, everybody that is 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 Debo generational. Debo is generational in his own right. Debo is generational in his own right, and I'll touch on that in a second, but I appreciate everybody that's in here, everybody that's in the chat right now, hit the like button if you like this show, hit the subscribe button, all that good stuff, we're talking a little bit about getting into the Cincinnati Bengals game, I'm going to get the callers on now, because in 30 minutes I have two very special guests joining me, and we'll get into more of that, but before I do that, let's get y'all in here right now, so here's the link to the chat, let's talk about it, is Debo, is Debo generational? I'm actually gonna leave this comment up because I want to hear your guys' takes on that as well. It's Debo Generational. That's a good one. If you haven't already, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Underdog Fantasy promo code Crocky Manscaped.com. Promo code Crocky. All that gets done. I got my guy coming on, my guy Dion. Oh, and the hats. So y'all already know, y'all know we got the frontline sports hats. All right. We got the frontline sports beanies, but I'm putting in the order. We're going to go. Frontline sports hats, which I appreciate everybody that, you know what I'm saying, supports the brand and all that good stuff, all right? I love y'all for that. I appreciate y'all. For real, from the bottom of my heart, I really love and appreciate y'all for that. So we got the frontline sports hats coming. We're going to have the the red and the gold. So this is going to be 49ers edition. We're going to have faithful, sti- uh, the faithful stitched on the side. And, and we're going to have the hoodies that have the faithful across the chest and it's going to have the Frontline Sports logo on it. It's all going to be red and gold. So y'all be on the lookout for that. I'll be able to uh, give y'all a mock-up. Hopefully, I'll have the mock-up out tomorrow. And then um, I'll have the mock-up on that tomorrow. And then I'll let you guys do pre-orders. And then uh, hopefully, I can get those to you guys before Christmas. So Frontline Sports, 49th edition, the faithful edition of the Frontline Sports hats, man. I hope y'all uh, appreciate, You know, like those. All right, but here we go. I got the caller coming on. Here we go. We got my guy, Dion. Dion is Debo a generational talent?
2: Like you said, in his own right, there hasn't been another player that can do what he does. Debo is technically a wide receiver, but he's a wide receiver. He's a running back. He's possibly even a damn fullback because you've never seen a receiver do what he does, just in general. You know, guys who can catch Not the at ball at this level.
0: Hold on, we've seen guys Not do at that it. Level. Like, like Percy, you seen people. I seen Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin. Was this type of guy, but wasn't doing it at this type of level. He had one really yeah. good year. It was like his rookie year, his second year when he had Brett Favre. But you know, like to this extent, going over a thousand receiving yards, being used as a running back, uh, you know, leading the league in yards after catch. But his average depth of targets at eight yards. This is some generational type stuff with how he's being utilized.
2: Yeah. So yeah, he he definitely is. Um, the number one thing that you see is. When Debo's not in games, who looks bad? Jimmy. That's his security blanket. Every 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 quarterback has a security blanket. You don't think that Devontae Adams is Aaron Rodgers' security blanket? I don't care how he makes the other receivers look. If Devontae Adams ain't in the game, that's a that's a negative for uh Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, he he has to have him. So when it comes to us, Debo's a security blanket, you know. So uh, he I had got a little pushback. Field.
0: I got a little pushback. Okay, okay. Because we didn't have Debo, but then George Kittle went off. You know what I'm saying? He had 180 yards. So he did but still, that have, was a because still to have a safety blanket.
2: My pushback on you to that would be that's because Debo wasn't in the game. Because Debo and Kittle been on the field at the same time, but Debo been the one going off. If you notice, George Kittle, then he ain't had a game like that all year. George Kittle was non-existent in the passing game. All year long. We barely threw to him. And I know that people start taking him away. Uh-oh. I think we lost my guy. All right.
0: We lost you. Oh, okay, he's back. Here we go.
2: Yeah, sorry about that, man. It'd be tripping. It'll latch back on to my Wi-Fi and shit. So but that's basically what happens. You know, you get there and you have those situations. So you wind up uh having D ball on the field, having Brandon Ayuk and and uh Kittle so why wouldn't you want you know why wouldn't Kittle be succeeding that's the hard part about it so for me I look at it like this I love what Kittle did but I want him to be able to do that along with Depot but we don't have the quarterback to do that unfortunately I would love uh oh all
0: right Dion's, Dion's uh service is going in and out right now we're going to get the next caller on get our guy Dion on uh, I mean, our guy Darius Dion, get your, get your service right, man. Here we go. Got my guy <laughs> Darius. Darius, what's good? Darius, do you what's think that, is a generational talent? Do you think it's a one-off year? I've seen other people say, oh, just one year. Uh, you know, what do you think about what he's doing? And uh, do you see other guys maybe trying to mimic this and having the same type of success?
3: Okay, so, you know, I've be having this conversation a lot with my cousin. Like, I, you know, he's a Dallas Cowboy fan and, It's all about C.D. Lamb with him. C.D. Lamb this, C.D. Lamb that, yada, yada, yada. And um, I told him, I said, well, you know, Debo's rookie year, he came out doing his thing. And um, he asserted himself in the offense to where he was getting his own plays. And then last year, he got hurt. This year, he comes back, and he's phenomenal. Um, Honestly, I feel like we have not seen the best of Debo. We only seen one side of him. And this is like the yak part, I feel like, he can stretch the field. I feel like he, he is one of the people that can beat you because he's fast. Like, why would he not? And um, I feel like he's only going to be as good as our quarterback is going to allow him with the passes and whatnot. Uh, so as far as him being generational, like, I feel like um, it's it's possible. Like, I don't feel like it's, he might not be generational, maybe like like right now, right now. But you, cause you could see it. It's just he's not getting the ball like that. Like he's getting hella yak, and even that right there in his own, like I said, like in his own lane, that makes him generational, I guess you could say. But I mean, I can't just say like, oh, he's a Randy Moss or he's a, you know, Julio AJ Green type. Not yet, but he can be if our quarterback threw it to him like that. I feel like he can because he did it in Detroit. He did it when um, we played Seattle. Like he'll beat you down the field. You just gotta throw him the ball, and to to say that he's Jimmy's security blanket, I don't know if it's if he's security blanket as much as it is just that's who Jimmy looks for as soon as he hikes the ball. Like I'm pretty sure Kyle's drawing up these plays for other people, but Jimmy, when he before he says hike, he's already thinking I'm going I'm going Debo. He's 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 doing a a nice easy slant. I'm gonna get it to him, even though Kittle's running down the field like you said, butt naked, wide open, or. Iuke's running down the field wide open. Juice, Mitchell, anybody. I don't care. I don't care who's wide open. It don't matter. He's going to give it to Debo in triple coverage. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I feel for Debo on that because it's like, it's a lot of pressure. You know what I'm saying? Because if you miss the ball, then who are they going to blame? They're going to blame the quarterback or the receiver. Because I remember growing up, they always said if, if you can touch the ball, you can catch the ball. You know? But, I don't know. That's why I asked you, you know what I'm saying? Because I ain't never really, you know, I ain't never played NFL. I don't know what, what the expectations are, but to me, looking at it, I could see Debo being, like, just great, man. If if we can get a quarterback that can deliver him the ball like that, like, you know what I mean? Like, imagine Devontae Adams playing for the Niners and how that would look. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, real talk. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I, I like Jimmy. I like Jimmy enough to where it's like, I don't bash him when he's playing it. it, Watching him kind of sucks sometimes because it's like, you know, you would want him to do more, but I don't think he's a horrible quarterback. I definitely don't think he's, you know, trash. No, he's none of that. But his talents, man, his talents kind of, his talents is becoming Debo's shortcomings and he has to be a running back for us he has to catch the ball at five yards and run eighty yards. And I, I honestly, this weekend, I hope he doesn't play. Like that groin injury, like that's nothing to play with. He he said that when he took off, he heard something pop or something, and then that's and you see how he kind of fell gingerly, like.
0: Yeah.
3: And I don't feel like we need him. We shouldn't need him for the Bengals. Like we played a good game in Seattle. Bengals are
0: good. Bengals. We are We beat good ourselves. So so I'm not gonna say we don't. No no no. you yeah, good. The Bengals. But I see what you're saying. Like you know, it's like all right, right. You got to try to thug through this one game and and win without having them. You
3: know, right, y'all. They business. played good without him last week, so it's like give him one more week to rest. I don't know what's up with Fred Warner, but just based on what I heard about with Debo, you know what I'm saying. Give him maybe give him one more week, and um hopefully we can get past past the Bengals, man. We played pretty good on the road, and it's gonna come down to the run game. Elijah Mitchell needs a little bit, you know, a little bit of help. and So, I mean, you look at the wear and tear that's, that, that Elijah Mitchell is getting now, you know, busted ribs, broken finger, a concussion, like, and we still keep dogging him, putting him out there, running him 25, 30 yards, or, or carries, my bad. So, it's a lot going on, man. It's a lot going on.
0: Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> All right, D. I'm going to get the next caller on, man. I appreciate you coming on. All right, here we go. Now, again, and I see a lot of the comments about, you know, uh, Debo. You know, it's only been one year. I thought his rookie year, he came on strong. I thought he did a good job. And he came on strong late. I did see a comment right here. My guy, uh, Symmetry7 says, "Uh, year one, Debo didn't hit stride until Sanders came along. And definitely a lot of truth to that. I think that helped him. You know, one thing, and I remember Debo Samuel saying it later in the year, was like halfway through this rookie year, he's like, bro, or even to start the year, Debo was so, like his head was spinning so much that he was like, man, I thought I was never going to get the playbook down. He was like, I thought I was never going to get the playbook down. So I don't think it was so much, you know, it took getting Emmanuel Sanders for Debo to start getting off. Maybe it took Emmanuel Sanders – to work with him on the side because the 49ers were pretty young at receiver at that time. So maybe Manuel's like, all right, hey, you know, this is what the quarterback is looking for. And he kind of helped him from that standpoint. But I don't think it was a matter of Debo wasn't talented enough to start getting off the way he did. Uh, I think it was more so Debo starting to try to, you know, starting to figure out the offense and what was going to be asked of him. Here's something here. Uh, Brendan Ayuk could be lamb if his QB would air that whole out. Brayden, Ayuk, and Lamb. All right. I'll say this, and this kind of roles have reversed a little bit from what I saw in college, at least from what it looked like. I, when I watch Cowboys, and I probably watch, damn near every Cowboy game because my brother's a Cowboy game. I actually watch them to see if they lose. I'm, I'm a hater in that sense. I want to see the Cowboys lose. And I, I watch C.D. Lamb. CeeDee Lamb. And I like C.D. Lamb. That was my that was my wide receiver one in that class. One thing I'm seeing right now: the difference between C.D. Lamb and Brandon Ayuk. C.D. Lamb looks more dynamic. He just looks a little quicker and twitched up, which was not the case that I thought from them coming out. I actually thought coming out Ayuk was the more was the more sudden, twitched up, the uh, look more. Like, explosive. Now, CeeDee Lamb did a good job of catching the ball, making the guy miss, running in circles around guys, scoring touchdowns in the Big 12. But I thought just pure just routes, uh, quick twitch, catch the ball. You know, I thought thought, uh, Ayuk was a little bit better at that. But what I'm seeing right now, Lamb is playing faster. I think Lamb is playing faster. I think he looks a little bit more quick and explosive after the catch. So I, I don't know. We'll see, Brendan, I don't know how his work ethic is, how he's working on those things. Is he training on those things to be more twitched up, explosive? Because he is that. I saw certain things right away. I'm like, ooh, this guy, is, he's he's twitched up. He's explosive. When I see a guy take one step and cut across his face, spin the cornerback around, it's like that cornerback's worried about something. right That, that cornerback's worried about how twitched up this guy is and explosive and and, and and I see him able to do those things at times. But I think on a consistent basis, when I watch Ayuk catch the ball, he looks a little bit – and I've been saying this since last year. Like, I, that was one thing where I'm like, I, I want to see him look better after the catch. Obviously, we see the play against Philadelphia Eagles where he jumps over a guy. That was awesome. And that showed that high-end athleticism that he has. But on a consistent basis, just after the catch, I'm not seeing it from Brandon Ayuk. Are y'all seeing it from Brandon Ayuk after the catch? Y'all let me know if I'm crazy. Let me know if I'm tripping. I'm not. I'm not seeing it from Ayuk after the catch like that. Like catch the ball, <laughs> make a guy miss, get upfield. There were a lot of things people were talking about him. You know, like Odell Beckham, and it's like Odell Beckham nasty after the catch. Now I'm not talking about this version of Odell. I'm talking about early. But like you know, catching the ball, making guys miss, putting guys. You know making them work, you know, running off on guys. I'm not really seeing that from Ayuk right now. I see ability. I see the ability to make catches. I see ability to, you know, get separation. But he, I don't see a guy who is really threatening teams and defenses after the catch, every time he touches it. See them, he catches it. He uh make guys miss. He's. Running full speed, uh, sitting his route down, catching comebacks, getting guys to open their hips, go up vertical. I'm not really seeing that from IU. And and it is a little, I don't want to say disappointing. He he is able to run, like, he is able to create separation, but I'm, there's something missing. There's something missing from IU's game right now that I'm actually a little bit surprised. Now, I see people say QB matters and scheme matters. I, I see that. But... Part of it is, it's, it's not even, it, this has nothing to do, this take has nothing to do with Garoppolo or anyone else. It has everything to do with, like, what I'm seeing from him. What I'm seeing from Ayuk, And there are times where you see him whoop a guy and it's like, that's good. I think he does a good job. He'll run right, like, he'll get open. Like, he can do those things. But I'm not quite seeing the explosiveness before the catch and after the catch. That I thought I would see consistently. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong on that. Let's get to this uh super chat real quick, my guy guy. Double B Studio, all his batches have been reached out of get oh, okay, all his catches have been reached out to catch and fall if Jimmy throws him the ball in the chest and give him more chance. I get what you're saying, but this isn't about my my take. This is what I'm saying. This isn't a one-time thing. Like this is What I'm saying right now, I'm talking about just his entire time with me seeing him with the 49ers. Obviously, we can point to times where Jimmy isn't putting the ball in an ideal position for him to catch and run. So that can be on Jimmy Garoppolo. There have been a lot of high catches where he's jumping up, you know, out the building to catch a pass and whatnot. Yes. But I'm just saying on a consistent basis with the separation that I would like to see him get and what I would like to see him do after the catch. It hasn't been as dynamic as I originally thought it would be. And that's not, I'm not taking it just off of, you know, a high throw here. I'm just saying on a consistent basis. Damn, I got Martin Stewart here. Have, have an elite QB makes wide receiver step up, right? It would make uh, better and, okay, hold on. Have an elite QB makes wide receiver step up, right? It would make me better, and I'm 6'5". Yeah, so it definitely helps to have a better quarterback, for sure. If you look at Aaron Rodgers sometimes with Devontae Adams, it's not like sometimes, like Devontae Adams, it's not just like this pure separation all the time, but a lot of times that ball just drops right into the breadbasket, right over a guy's shoulder. Now it's like, hey, man, you just got to make the catch. (laughs) You just got to make the catch. I'm going to put it in the right spot, all right? But there's things that I feel like Ayu can do on on his own, and I think he's kind of missing that, like that aspect of it. Now Debo, same thing, kind of, but Debo wins a different way. Debo's just he wins a different way. But I I would say this: before the ball is thrown, Debo doesn't get a whole lot of separation. Right, he catches the ball and he does everything after the run. Ayuk, who I think is a different type of receiver, but he's getting the same type of separation as Debo. And that's not how Ayuk's supposed to be winning. And then he's not really doing it after the catch. So when we compare uh, Ayuk to to Lamb, I'm seeing a little bit more dynamicness from CeeDee Lamb. Bradley, what do you think about
1: that? Uh... I mean, I don't know. I think it might have to do something with the weight that he added on. Maybe he just still hasn't had time to adjust. His body hasn't had time to adjust to that weight that he added on in the offseason. Because like you said, uh, um, I'm no expert or anything, but uh, he looks more stiff. And from what Kyle said sometimes in his press conferences, he's not running the right depth for the route, or he's taking like a slightly different angle or approach this year. So um uh I don't know, that's that's kind of what I think uh, was uh, to bring.
0: Okay, so here's my take real quick. I think we look at IU because he's like this, like you know, long arms and he looks like lanky kinda, but he's never been small like that. Like he weighed in, he measured in at five eleven, two hundred and five pounds. So that's not for a receiver as comparison, let's compare that to to CeeDee Lamb, right? Because CeeDee Lamb, he looks like the bigger receiver, right? But Ayuk, 5'11", 205. That's pretty healthy for a receiver, right? That's bigger than Odell Beckham. That's bigger than, than CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb was closer to 6'2", 190 pounds. So CeeDee Lamb was uh, taller, leaner, thinner. And Ayuk, shorter and much heavier, right? So I think maybe we are viewing him like he's supposed to be this twitched-up guy. Everybody's saying he looks bigger, but he's always been, you know, 205, that's a, that's a healthy weight for a receiver.
1: That's solid.
0: Mm-hmm. And me and Peacock disagree. Peacock, my Locked On 49ers, my co-host Peacock, he thinks, like, no, I think he's even heavier than that. No, I think he's, like, 2 – Peacock thinks he's, like, 210 or plus. And I'm like, I don't know if he's 210. I think he's 205, and he's always kind of looked like that. So I don't know. That's just kind of my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, as for the generational player, I, uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't think Debo's even close to that. When I think generational player, I think of production and availability. Like, I mean, how many seasons in a row did Frank Gore have a thousand yards and played with uh, pull, like pulled muscles and and, and uh, stress fractures? He talked about. And uh, um, I remember one off season he talked he uh, he played half the year with two broken fingers. And uh, um, well, that's what I think of uh, generational players. They make the plays during the games. I see Debo Samuel making plays all the time. In games, but it's not that, that drive when it matters. It's like during the game. It's not that one drive. I, I mean, I don't ever remember Frank Gore, you know, fumbling the ball when he was trying to get extra yards during that one game when Debo coughed up the ball during the Lions to almost give them an extra chance. Generational players, they don't do that. They're born with it, and they make the plays when they're needed. I don't consider Devontae Adams a, genera- a generational player either, but, I mean, we knew the ball was coming to him in Green Bay, and they still threw it to him two times in a row with 34 seconds left to go, and he still made the play when it mattered. He caught that ball. Brand Ayuk didn't catch that ball on that third down in the Seahawks game. Debo Samuel isn't breaking out for long games on, you know, third and the teams all the time on the last drive of the game when it matters. When it matters, availability and production, I think, is a generational player. We don't have those. George Kittle okay. isn't even that.
0: So this is what I think. I think we're talking about two different things. So I think what you're talking about is an elite player, right? Generational player. So, like, Debo. And I see... Yeah, where's the comment? At? Right here. So, my guy, Jeep Crackhawk, all right? He says, what makes... Debo generational, which again, we're having a discussion. We're not saying he is generational, but it's his, he's different because he can play multiple positions. Right. So when we say Mm -hmm. generational generational typically is a player that comes along every so often, like every once in a while, it's like, man, it's a guy that's this. And he's just so different. Debo is different because he's able to be a thousand yard receiver and he probably could be a thousand yard receiver and thousand yard rusher if they really wanted to utilize him in that way. But he's a legit receiver, but how many times have you seen a legit receiver and have the production that he has at receiver, which a thousand yard receiver, right? But also be like, you know what? Go play running back for these games and him get 80 yards rushing, 70 yards rushing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like so that's what makes him generational and is and not to say that he's there yet or he's arrived, but just how he can start entering that category because he's like Cordell Patterson but on steroids. Right? Cordell Patterson came in as a receiver, he's moved to running back, but he moved to running back because he can't play receiver. He's not effective as a receiver. Debo, what makes him different yeah. is I'm, as, I'm just as effective as a receiver as I am a running back. And I think that that makes a guy pretty that, – that's what makes him special because not, not a lot of guys – I mean, how many guys – okay, let's do, let's do this. How many receivers have you seen that can be a 1,000-yard receiver and a legit – five hundred yard rusher and and have done it.
1: I mean I mean I can't I can't think of one. Everyone I'm thinking of is like a wide receiver that just gets like you know sweeps thrown to him. Like you know the toss plays. I mean I can't think that's of someone who saying. could hit holes. So, yeah. So I
0: think that's what when we start to say, you know, generational Debo, like that's what makes him more that's what makes him generational because there there ain't that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Well, I appreciate you coming on, Bradley. I'm gonna get to the next caller.
1: All right, thank you, sir.
0: Uh, all right, here we go. Got my guy Ben. Ben, I missed you yesterday, man. How you doing?
4: Uh, I'm doing well, Croc. I just took my uh, last final for school yesterday, so I slept in a little today. I'm enjoying myself. It's uh, it's nice to feel out of the woods for that. So I'm glad I can uh, focus on the Niners full time now.
0: So what, what do you think about this Debo generational conversation? And again, where I'm not saying that he's arrived or he's a generation, but
2: do you think that he's a gener- yeah. generational talent in
0: the sense of there aren't guys like him? You don't have to yeah. agree with me, by the way.
4: <laughs> no, I, abso- I actually absolutely agree with you. I think he's a generational talent because he is so talented, right? Like, I don't think he's accomplished all the things that makes you a, a generational player yet, but in terms of the high-end upside and the talent and everything like that, there's no question about that for me because kind of goes back to this um this, this thing I was talking about earlier in the off season. I think with Vish, actually, or, or it might have been Vinny, where we were saying, you know, um, there are great receivers in the league, right, like Devontae Adams. He's the best pure receiver, but for me, a guy like Tyreek Hill is – if not the second best receiver the best receiver because he's the best playmaker on the field at all times right he's he's the best football player and he's so explosive so that's kind of how i think about Debo samuel right he's not like your Devonte adams pure receiver he's not gonna look like brandon now you could look in like four or five years but um because he's so unique because he's so explosive like he, he, is, he is that generational player and he can do so many things and let, i think you said it perfectly he's Patterson on steroids to me that's the only comparison I can even think of anymore for Debo because um you know I know people try to compare him to guys like Anquan Bolden or Percy Harvin they didn't do anything like what he's doing now man not even them combined so uh, yeah he is so unique to me I think he is a generational player it's just a matter of staying healthy um obviously being able to keep up this pace and everything but he does this for at least a five, six year span. He is absolutely a generational player, no question about it, I think. Um, I did want to, <laughs> Crockett, today though, I did want to talk to you um, about corner because I, I love talking about corner. I know uh, I might even get on your nerves sometimes with how much I bring up my guy, Sante Samuel Jr., but um, kind of, I've, I've thought about this more recently that. This, the team everyone brings up how oh they could have invested in the corner here and i i'm i'll i'll even say you know myself i do it all the time i'm like oh they could have picked corners here or, or uh traded or got, got guys in free agency here but i do you feel like it's a a thing where no matter what they're never gonna invest heavy on that position in the way other teams do because i think they have had every opportunity to do so like not not every opportunity, but they certainly had their chances where if they wanted to, they could have gone after corner. And in reality, they just don't like to spend a lot of money on corner and they'd rather not spend day one or, or sorry, round one or round two picks on corners because they feel like, Hey, maybe we can get third, fourth, fifth, sixth round guys, undrafted guys, figure something out. Um, do you think like, I don't know if they could have one corner on this team, right? Uh, what, what, like, what one corner, if you look across the NFL, is the best version of whatever corner you think they're looking for? Because that's the thing that I don't I'm, – I'm still kind of struggling to to grasp. Like, what does the ideal corner look like in the 49ers, mind, at least?
0: Uh, that's tough. That's tough. Because I don't know. They, they have, like, all these different type of cornerbacks now, right? Yeah. You know, De'Amado Lenore doesn't look like what we've seen from them in the past. Uh, Jason Verrett, you know, Emmanuel Mosley. Now, if they are looking for that type of guy, then I would think that a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. fits, you know, more of what they're looking for right now. But I I feel like they haven't they haven't given us like a a clear picture of specifically a type of corner that they want.
4: Yeah. And that's the thing that kind of confuses me because like you do look at like the top four corners really that they brought in this year, or let's say even top. Four or yeah, top four, including the two draft picks, Mosley and Verrett. Those guys seem awfully similar to Asante Samuel to me, at least uh, like they're none of those guys are like six foot one, six foot two guys. You know, they're, they're all, you know, speedy guys who are, who are going to make the play. And that's how I felt with Asante Samuel Jr. He didn't have the height that you love from a typical corner, but he did everything else so well. I just think it was strange to me that they didn't draft him, but um, I, I guess moving forward, do you think they ever get to the point where they do start taking corners higher? Or do you think this is going to be a thing constantly where it's like, hey, we'll be willing to take multiple shots at the position, right? Like they did this past year with Lenore and with Thomas, but we're never going to reach for one of those guys. Because to me, it seems like they just aren't going to be willing to draft the position that high. Like, like I, I know certain teams like to draft certain positions in certain spots. Obviously, with the 49ers, they – I mean they value the edge you know the defensive tackle wide receiver even right they'll take guys high running back they'll, they'll take them higher than you quote unquote supposed to but it's it's kind of the opposite with corner where the rest of the league is is wanting to take corners you know top 25 top 50 I mean they want to take seven eight guys before they get to that 50 overall yeah. draft pick spot in terms of that position the 49ers just aren't willing to do that so is that a is that just uh, them choosing to do so? Or do you think it's that they just don't value corner as much, you know? Because to me, it's it's like it's a, that balance of do they – I, I know they care about corner, but it, they so often put other positions ahead of corner where they shouldn't, like defensive tackle, guard, running back even, that I'm just kind of mystified. Like, I know this isn't what you should be doing in terms of drafting positions. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me, Karoq.
0: So this is my kind of thought process on that. Every, you have to look at all the situations and things that they tried to do. So I don't even know if it's so much that they don't want to draft a corner high, or if that's not a priority of theirs, but clearly with whatever corners were on the board at that time, they prioritized a guy at a different position more than that specific guy. All right. And what maybe that other guy could do for them at that time. So, If you look at kind of where, and you have to look at where the roster is and where it's been constructed, I do think this was the first year. This was the first year that if they wanted to draft a corner high, it would have made sense to me. We're talking about first round, second round, whatever, right? This was the first year that it would have made sense to me because Mm -hmm. I talked about it in previous years, and we, you know, we think about it in hindsight now. But you know, in previous years, you had. You know, you had a young Akella Witherspoon who showed flashes of, like, hey, I can be really good. You have Richard Sherman. You know, people wanted a cornerback, I believe it was last year. And my pushback on that was, why do you think the 49ers are going to draft a cornerback when they have Emmanuel Mosley who finished the season strong? You had Akella Witherspoon who he's been up and down, but he's entering his last year, but he has starting capabilities. You have Richard Sherman who's coming off an all-pro year. Why would you draft a corner, like, say, Stephon Dix, second round? To sit behind these guys where you're almost loaded at the position. That's how they're looking at it, right? Now, we know guys are going to be, and the, I didn't even mention Jason Verrett, right? So, you they had four guys on the roster, and everybody's screaming, draft a corner, draft a corner. I'm like, they're not drafting a corner. No, All pro for, uh, Richard Sherman, he's coming off for all pro year. Mostly Witherspoon, both capable of being starters, and Jason Verrett. Why would they draft a corner into that high? Yeah. Because if you do, then you're saying, all right, this corner has to play over Mosley, who you're like, hey, I think we got something here. Uh, Witherspoon, where you're like, okay, we're figuring it out here. We'll we'll, we'll see what we want to do. But, no, we're going to throw in a second-round corner over both of you guys and play them. I didn't see that happening. This was the first year where I was like, I think they go corner high. Now, when they got to that position, and maybe – well, I don't know how much they value Asante Samuel, but let's say they value Asante Samuel high it got to, it was just a point. Do we value Asante Samuel and a corner to come in and play over a Mosley or a Verrett right now, right? Because, again, if I drop somebody second round, I likely want him to come in. That's the thought right. process. Now, whether it happens or not, we've seen with Aaron Banks, it hasn't played out that way. <laughs> but, all right, do I want to do I want to take a corner and he's going to have to beat out Mosley or Verrett, or do I want to take a guard who has to beat out Daniel Brunskill at right guard, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And when you look at that, and it's like a guard, he's protecting my quarterback, you know, a corner, it's like, oh, maybe you know. So I think if you look at it like from that standpoint, you could now I would have taken first of all, I would have taken Terrace Marshall, so it wouldn't have oh. been Sante Samuel. Yeah, no,
4: right. hey, me, me and you too, man. We would have been all yeah. over that. In the I, I would have
0: taken Terrace Marshall, but if Terrence Marshall was off the board, I would have taken Asante Samuel, sure. wasn't thinking about Banks, but I could see where they're going because. Everybody in their mom was like, "Fix the right guard. Fix the right guard. Brown school's not it. Fix the right guard." And then they don't draft. Then they draft right guard, yeah. and everybody's like, "No, take Asante Samuel." So I'm just trying to look at it from their perspective.
4: Well, and okay. I guess the, o- the the only issue I have with that is that uh, it's much much easier to try and draft a starting corner in the top fifty um then, you know it is to nail a top 50 guard because look at aaron banks i mean all the draft picks after him in terms of interior o- offensive lineman guard all better. like they're all better starting playing or contributing right he's it, i think out of the day two guys he's the only interior offensive lineman that just doesn't play so it, it's tough it's so, tough
0: now here's what we have to do right because it, it, it's it's hindsight so mm-hmm. can we agree or at least agree to disagree that their thought process was right but their evaluation was off? Uh,
4: okay, I won't go as far as to say I think they're Okay, okay pro- we go. Process If, was if they got right.
0: if they drafted Creed Humphrey, yeah. right? And they drafted Creed Humphrey over over Asante Samuel, right. but Creed Humphrey's doing what they're doing. Would you be complaining about the that position?
4: No, Or I'm them wouldn't. not
0: taking I'm Asante doing. Samuel.
4: I I would I wouldn't obviously because they got a player to to replace that spot and that's that's kind of the tough part I have with all this croc is like I understand where you're coming from with the with corner and how they value it and I'm not saying they don't value it as much as that I think the rest of the league just is a little higher on the position and is more willing to take more shots at the position and that's the issue I have is that knowing what just knowing how drafts have been going recently, studying like the last three, four, five years, I think you just have to take a corner that I even if even if you do feel as in a comfortable position as the 49ers were, because that position does have so much turnover. It does change so quickly where one year a guy is really great, all pro and the next year, it, it just like I just think because of the volatility of the position, not drafting a corner that high, it's it's slightly irresponsible. Now I think I can understand the process and if we walk through all of it, yeah, it does make sense. And I think like you're saying, if they pick a guy like Creed Humphrey or even coin miners, right? Like there there are potential other guys where it's like, oh, hey, if they would have taken an interior guy that would have worked, I'd be much less upset, but I still think they do have a somewhat flawed process in that they, they, they don't understand where the rest of the league values certain positions over others. Right. Because the fact is, is not that it's uh, to me, it's not that it's about Creed Humphrey or any other player like that. It's more that you took Aaron bank out of the first round of guards and there wasn't another guard taken for another few picks. And then after that, there were like five, six guys taken in the third round. So I guess for me, it's just that the 49ers don't understand positional value as well as I'd like them to right? where, I'm not saying you have to pick certain players in certain rounds, but for me, like corner, I just have a hard definitive rule where I think you have to get one of those guys in the top 50 minimum, right? If you really right. want a, a, a starting caliber guy, and that's Here, just what I struggle with.
0: Here's my last question. Then i get you off. I got to get to the other callers, and then I have two guests coming on. All right. My last question. Do you think their, their thought process is off when you look at some of the numbers and that the 49ers... Have given up the least amount of passing yards in the NFL, and their average yards per completion or whatever is the lowest, and so they're top in the league in some of these categories, haven't given up a 400 yard passer. Do you think that maybe they're off with how they view it, or is everybody, or are we off?
4: Oh, that's a tough one, Croc. Because we're
0: talking about how they missed on this and they whiffed on this, right. right? They whiffed on that, but they've given up the least amount of passing yards in the NFL. And I know I, we're looking at it like, well, Norman sucks or well, Dante <laughs> Johnson sucks. was going to have to be out there, but they're saying, well, you guys clearly value corners more than us. And we have given up the least amount of passing yards in the league or top yeah. five, whatever it is.
4: Well, and, and that's where I do have the bigger problem this year, in that I I think, okay, I don't have a problem with the corner position being how it was, considering how much they've invested in it, and that they just haven't invested as much as other teams do, right? They they spent like $13 million going into this season on the position. Problem I have is I think if you look across at other positions where they did spend big splashy money or where they're spending, you know, much, much higher um on that position than other teams like defensive line they're they're paying for the fourth highest paid defensive line in the league and they are they are performing nowhere close to that that's i think the issue i have with the defense issue, and like i do agree with you crock and that i think they get too much crap for the the coverage and the corners and all that like it just is what it is at this point and considering all the things you bring up all the stats like They're doing a very good job considering the talent they have in the room and how much they're spending on the position, how much they've invested on it. But then I think you look across the rest of the team and because they've I don't want to say misallocated assets, but they've kind of overinvested in certain positions where they don't need to and they're not getting the performance out of it. Like, I mean, we all talk about quarterback. Right. But. Like, they're they're excelling right now with, the, with their linebackers being the 28th highest paid, you know, linebacker room in the league and their wide receivers being, like, somewhere in the 20s, right? Those two positions are excelling beyond what they're paying for them. To me, you know, same thing with corner, right? They're paying for, I think, or for secondary in general, they're paying for, like, the 20th highest paid room. They're exceeding that, if not matching that value right now, right? Just to me, like so maybe you are right in that way where, Hey, if, if they did have the right pass rush, like and I'm not even saying 2019, right. Because that is so once in a generation, but just getting what you're paying if for Ford
0: was serviceable this year. And, and exactly and hurt all the G time. Ford
4: or Kinlaw, either one of them, honestly, because to me, um that's where you're, it, it's Nick Bosa's where you're spending your money, big Armstead it just is what it is that contract's going to play itself out it'll be better in two years but yeah guys like d4 javon kinlaw like the fact that you're getting the production the production you are from dj jones just proves to me why the kinlaw traffic was such a mistake because you've proven you can get that value out of that position at a much cheaper rate right so for me with the 49ers yeah i think you might be right about corner how they do value it in a certain way where if everything else is working it's right i get that i'm I'm, actually, I'm, I'm on board with that. I think I, I would rather invest in the position more, but if this is how they're going to invest and it works out this way for corner.
0: That's I, what I'm saying. That, I'm, I'm yeah, trying to that, look at it from, that, from totally that view. Cool. I would draft yeah. a corner, but I'm oh, yeah. looking at how they're doing it and the results that they're getting, and I don't think it's as bad as people think, especially considering no. around the league. And like you said, you know maybe they don't value that position as much as everybody else, and they're like, well, we don't, but our you know, we're giving up the least amount of passing yards in the league. So I'm going right. to get you off because I got a couple super yep. chats to get to and a couple callers, man. But I, I couldn't stop this conversation. I thought it was a really good conversation. Appreciate you coming on, man.
4: Yeah, of course, Kroc. appreciate the time.
0: Hey, tell everybody where they can find you real quick.
4: Yeah, just go follow me on Twitter at uh, ByBenMyerson. I'll, I'll put up some All49ers uh, SI content definitely sometime today. I'll be on a later with mean the Dream. So just follow me on Twitter. I'll put uh, everything on there. Thanks, Kroc.
0: All right, appreciate you coming on. That's what's up. That was a good conversation. Let me get to some of these super chats. Uh, generation from our guy gold Goldblooded. Generational players referring to physical talent, like Vic, uh, was Vic clutch? No, but did he make big plays late in fourth when he when it mattered? Not much. Uh, talent don't come around every year. All right, and I think he's saying generational talent doesn't come around every year. Man, I appreciate. I, I like that. I like that outlook on that. I like that outlook on that. There were a couple more super chats I saw roll in. Here we go. My um, guy, Victor, I would say no. I look at Debo as an offensive weapon, uh, generational talent. I think you would have to take the game or position to the next level. See, I think Debo does take the game to the next level. Y'all don't think so? It's almost like down there every time Debo touches the ball, he's a threat to score. Right? did it not take the game to the next level? He's winning at every level. He's able to win. He can win at the line of scrimmage on screens. We saw him take a screen. 80 yards. We saw him take a screen, 80 yards. We've seen him catch 70-plus yard pass uh, vertically on post route or goal route against the, the Lions, the post route against the Bears. We've seen him do that. We've also seen him go, you know, run around the edge and damn near get untouched at running back at a position that the 49ers are kind of struggling yards per carry-wise. He's not. So I think he is someone who can not just take over a game, but he can do it in so many different ways. And we are not talk about just end of rounds. We're talking about he's at running back, I formation, and he's able to run for 80 yards and multiple touchdowns in the game. But he can also can turn around and have 150 receiving yards. He's had several 150-yard games this year at receiving. I, I think that's, to your term, I think that's kind of generational. My guy Symmetry7, again, I appreciate the contributions, y'all. How how much does emphasis on size over skill contribute to the teams overall assessment of the cornerback position? Perhaps that's the case with the Niners. Uh, I would say the 49ers definitely leaned towards that more early on. Now they've kind of gone away from it, right? You look at the 49ers and what they've done at the cornerback position, you know, drafting, uh, you know, Amory Thomas, who has decent size, not a big guy. Uh, Diomedon, 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 uh, shorter in stature, a little stockier. Uh, you know, using Emmanuel Mosley, using Jason Verrett, and this is a team that typically have put a lot of resources in the six-two, six-three uh, type rece- uh, cornerback. So I, I definitely seen them kind of change. Now, I don't know about you know around the league and how they're doing it, but I actually, and I've always talked about, it, I like the smaller guys. I like the smaller guys. I like the I like the Sante Samuel Jr. I think they're a little bit more versatile in their ability to cover uh, guys in space as well as at the line of scrimmage. Love, 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 loved uh, the cornerback out of Northwestern, Greg Newsom. He had some of my favorite film. I thought he had the best overall film from a scheme uh, versatility standpoint, uh, being able to play, play, you know, cover four off with his feet, being able to press at the line of scrimmage. He had the speed to run with guys, decent size. Loved, loved, loved Greg Newsome. I think he's having a good rookie year. 10 sacks in the last four games is not an underperforming defensive line. Huh. 10 sacks in the last four games. That's not... That is solid. All right, so we're saying essentially kind of, you know, 2.3 sacks per game. I think that's pretty good. I'd say most of it is coming because Nick Bosa is so good. I don't want to I don't want to like discount anything else that anybody else is doing, but I would like to see them get a little bit more consistent pressure, but maybe we're looking at it through the wrong lens. And I think we do go back to 2019 and see the type of pressure consistently they were able to put on on quarterbacks. And we're like, well, they're not doing that. Maybe what they are doing is decent in comparison to the rest of the league. I would have to know where – not so much where the sacks are, but pressure rate. Where is that at? Because I value – Obviously, I love sacks, but consistently getting pressure on guys and moving quarterbacks off of their spots, I think that's extremely important. Appreciate everybody that's in the chat right now. Real quick, my guy Ryan, what what you got to take? Well, I I can't have you on too long, cause I got to get to a couple uh, of guys.
5: Well, nah, man. Real quick was I just think um back to C D Lamb. I think his offense predicated on vertical passing offense, along with Gallup and also Amari Cooper on the other end. So, whenever he do get the ball, he does have the opportunity to kind of show more of his playmaking skills after he catches the ball because of the offense that they do run. And majority of Debo's passing is attributed to short, like you said, hitches or drags and things of that nature and getting good yak yards. But I think most people will always go with CD Lamb right now because he looks more traditional and his plays look more booming. And so, not saying that Debo ain't who he is, that he ain't a boss or whatnot, but I think on the traditional sense, people will enjoy what CD lamb brings because it look more like a traditional top five right here. But yeah, go and do your thing, Brody.
0: (laughs) All right. Appreciate the take, man. All
5: right.
0: Here we go. I got my guy, Chris coming on. Chris Roscoe's. What's good, man?
5: What's up? What's up, Croc? How's it going?
0: It's going good. It's going good. good
5: Yeah. Shout out to Ben. Ben is a homie. I like Ben, but I want to get into it right quick, real fast. I think Debo is has a generational skill set. Yes. Compared to generational talent. Okay. Rice was skilled, generationally skilled, because I mean he was probably one of the best route runners of all time. Had some of the best hands. Uh, Moss was a generational talent, to where he was a four-two guy, six-four. You throw it up and he's gonna get you. Uh, Devontae Adams and Debo Samuel, I would put them in a generational skill position. Julio Megatron are generational talents, physically gifted, like gods, godlike right. figures. So I think that's how I would define generational skill set versus generational talent. And what is that all equal to? They're all generational players, in my opinion.
0: Right. So you're uh, saying there's different ways to go about it?
5: Yeah, exactly. And then also I would say for Brandon A. Uke, I would ask you this. When have you ever seen him have the opportunity to be the yak guy? Like, do you remember a catch where he's like, oh, man, he could have broke that tackle and took it like an extra 15, 10, maybe five yards? Well, here's the
0: thing. Guys that do it, right, with Debo Samuel, most of the time he does it when it's not there, Right. Like when you see Debo Samuel, some of the things he does, or even like uh, C. D. Lamb and kind of him catching the ball and make a guy miss and stuff like that. Like, when's the last time
5: we've seen Brandon Ayuk make a guy miss? Uh, against the Vikings, I believe he had like an extra ten yards after the catch. Hold
0: on, hold on. You talking about the one where he bounced off of a guy?
5: Something like that, I believe. And he took and it he on like the sideline. Got like
0: extra Kind of caught the yards. ball, and then he kind of like the guy, but that. The guy went to hit him, like as he was catching the ball, and he kind of bounced off of him, and then he ran up the sideline. Hey, but, that's eight, hey, hey, look. Yes, geez, that I'm talking happen. about make a guy make a guy miss. Like I want to see. We we were when we were talking about Brandon, are you coming out again? And I saw the news. I watched all the film. I want to see. I want to see that. And right now, I'm not seeing. Like I'm not seeing anyone. I'm not seeing. I'm not saying, Brennan, are you threatening anybody? Does he does he scare defenses right now when he catches the ball? And I would say the answer to that is no.
5: Okay, I'll, I'll give you that yes. No, he doesn't put fear in the defenses when he catches the ball. And last but not least, uh, I'm a box tomorrow. Uh, and uh, I'm a box tomorrow. And dang, I was about to say something else. But say it again. What are you gonna do today work
0: no man you, you get a lunch break you got you got some point today you can't you can't go and you can't do some push ups sit ups don't don't
5: don't tell the folks what my job is but my job is mentally draining so i have to do it before i work because okay but today, when I get off, today today you're gonna do it after oh snap i gotta clock it in two minutes right, i gotta go crap
0: Oh man! All right, all right. Here we go, man. I want to bring on two special guests now, and um, so we can get to know these guys and kind of what they have going on. Uh, I'm excited about this and uh, what we're trying to do here and what we're trying to build here at Frontline Sports Media and uh, where I want to take it. And again, y'all know I I don't have the answers to everything. Everything that I do is all trial and error. I try to figure it out as I go. Uh, and I'm figuring out with these guys and these are the two guys that I think are going to definitely bring something to the channel that, you know, nice, good balance. All right. Before I bring them on, make sure if you haven't already hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. I see, you know, almost 200 of y'all in here right now. I appreciate everybody that's been rocking with me for the jump. Everybody that supports the brand Frontline Sports. I got the Frontline Sports, the Faithful Edition hats coming soon. All right. They're going to be red and gold. So instead of this blue and white, it's going to be red and gold. It's going to have faithful on the side and we're going to have the faithful hoodies uh, with the logo in red and gold over that. So we are only looking for all that, but here we go, man. These guys bring on my guys. Here we go. We got Jasper Rose, Jamal Armstrong, got my dogs on here. And these guys are making up a new 49 podcast, man. They're going to bring a little different dynamic, a, a different, you know, thought process with stuff. I think a really good balance and they're going to be bringing it to this channel. They're gonna be coming on once a week. Bring you guys a podcast, Niners Talk with Jasper and Jamal. Uh, you know, so go ahead. Uh, real quick, Jasper. We'll start with Jasper. That's my dog. I met Jasper in 2014. We we're playing together out in Portland in the arena football league. All right, but just kind of introduce yourself, uh, you know, your 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 you know, you being a 49er fan, how you see the team, and um, what you're excited about with the new podcast coming out.
6: Yeah, man, uh appreciate. Appreciate the opportunity, man. Um, yeah, I've been a, you know, diehard fan since uh, shit, since as long as I can remember, shit, going back to, you know, ninety-three, ninety-four, uh, you know, watching the Super Bowl team. Um, and yeah, I'm excited, uh right now I'm excited, you know, obviously I'm excited for, you know, what's to come with Trey Lance. I'm excited to see, you know, where, where the team is going. Um, even this this season, you know, I've had a lot of optimism, you know, anybody who's been in the spaces that I've been in recently. Knows how I feel about the team, you know. So, um, you know, I'm excited for this opportunity with, with my man Maul, and and uh, you know, we're gonna bring you know bring some new to the uh, channel for sure, man, and just give it a, a new perspective, and you know, just have a different view. Um, you know, I'm just ready to get this get this started, and and you know, have a space where we we could uh, you know talk about the team we're all passionate about.
0: Yes, sir. All right, and and, and Jamal, man, uh, you know, obviously you come on. We met through spaces. I kept hearing this guy come on and talking. I'm like, man, <laughs> this is this is an, a very intelligent guy. I think his 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 thoughts on the 49ers are very well thought out. Uh, You know, you didn't just come on and talk about no BS. So, talk a little about you, Jamal. Introduce yourself to the people. Do you want to go by Jamal or Ma? I like the little Ma. I like the Ma. Yeah. You want to go by?
6: Yeah. That's my, I'm my cool either way. My brother's name is Jamal, so I always call him Ma. Yeah. yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. Family.
7: You know how it is. Family, call me Maul. Uh, I'm cool either way. You can call me Jamal, you can call me Maul. I'm used to it. Um, but yeah, man, like you just, can you hear me by the way? You can hear me? Yeah,
0: yeah, we got okay. you good.
7: Yeah, yeah you by know. the way, like so like you said, through Spaces, we. I would just go in there. Um, I've had a Twitter for, since what, like 2013? I had to get it in college um, for a class I was taking. We had to log some stuff on there, but I never really used it uh, up until recently. I think it was about October, to be honest. And uh I came back on and I saw that there was, uh, you know, a 49ers community and started listening to the spaces. And at that point, I was like, you know, what? let me get up in here and share my thoughts a little bit as well, too. And like you just said, uh, heard me talk a little bit, reach out to me, gave me the opportunity to you know, start a podcast with Jasper. I've heard Jasper's thoughts uh, through your podcast before as well. Um, thought it was an awesome opportunity. And yeah, I decided to jump on it. Been a 49ers fan since about the mid 90s. Um, yeah, always been a Niner fan. Originally born in Southern California, have lived up here in Northern California. I live just outside of Sacramento now. Um, you live in Lodi, also, man.
0: What yeah. are you doing in Lodi? You know, I went to Tokei High School in Lodi.
7: Yeah, so I'm a social worker out here. Um, my wife and her family, they're originally from out here. And so um, after college, I moved back out this way, um, have been closer to her family. My family still lives in Southern California. We've, li- we've moved around a lot. Uh, in my lifetime, really. I've sadly lived up in the Pacific Northwest, had to live near Seattle fans as well, too. Um, So, you know, I've been a 49er fan through thick and thin. But like you said, yeah, I've been in Lodi here for what? Man, I guess it's almost four years now. Um, I'm here for the time, hopefully not here forever. Like I said, she grew up here, so she wants to get out. I want to get out. We'll see where it takes us. But yeah, super excited for this opportunity. Looking forward to talking more about the Niners and, uh, yeah it should be fun
0: awesome man awesome so what time are you guys because they will be going on live tonight and they're going to be discussing you know 49ers are going to have their topics and their thoughts Jasper gets real passionate about it Jamal (laughs) is going to try to keep everything level-headed a little bit so what time are you guys going on tonight
6: I think we're gonna I think we settled at six right
7: yeah about six o'clock at work
6: yeah
0: all right, 6 p.m. Pacific, man. That's awesome. So, everybody, make sure you guys tune in tonight. Nine and Talk with Jasper and Jamal. That's exciting, man. I appreciate you guys coming on to introduce yourselves this morning.
6: Yeah, man. man. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah.
0: All right, y'all. All right, we'll be in touch. I'll text you guys.
6: Oh, Sounds Croc, I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to expand on the topic y'all had earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. On, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, uh, there yeah. was a uh, – I think the uh, – you know, when you guys were discussing the value and I think the – lack of value that the, you know, the Niners seem to have when it comes to drafting defensive backs. And I think it just goes hand in hand with their overvalue of how they want to build from the trenches. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. when you look at the 2019 roster, they didn't really value what they had on the back end because they knew what they had up front. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think not to give them a pass. Cause I think this year was obviously a year where you could have looked at it a little differently knowing which you, you still didn't know what you had in Kenlaw. You didn't know what you were going to get in D Ford. You didn't, there was a lot of, you know, things that, you know, they did know that, you still didn't really know what you had in Bosa coming back. So there was a lot of question marks on the defensive front. So this year was the first year where I really thought they definitely could have even reached um, for a DB and, and I think had more of a sense of urgency to draft, you know, higher for that position, obviously, you know, with the, trading up for Trey Lance, you know, things were there was obviously the high the value was really the quarterback. So, had they been able to get a trade for a quarterback, I guess, and not give up a lot of their assets that they had to get up give up to get Trey Lance like if they were able to pull off a Matthew Stafford trade, whatever the case may be, and pull and bring in a veteran quarterback, maybe they would have been able to then use those assets that they ended up moving for Trey and then get a DB at a higher, you know what I mean? So, I don't think yeah. they just I don't think they just, you know, are just neglecting to draft a defensive back. I think it's just an, as of, you know, a quarterback was more obviously the glaring, uh, the glaring position of need, you know, more than that as of right now. And I just also just believe they feel like they can win up front. So you don't really think about the back end as much like other people do in the league. Cause nobody has a D line in the depth that the Niners really do have at the end of the day. Right? Not a lot of teams have that.
0: Well, Jamal, and, I mean, not Jamal, uh, Jasper, you, you also touched on, you know where I talked about how you play at receiver. What are your thoughts on like just a generational talent? Yeah, what, you, what what does that mean to you?
6: That was tricky. That was tricky. My man, uh, I I started tuning in when my man uh was talking about Tay, uh Devante. Um, and again, w- what's wild is I've been watching Devonte since since high school. Like he him and my mm-hmm. brother with each other, they played against each other in the state championship game. My brother was at Valley, Valley Christian in San Jose, and then Tay was over at Palo Alto. So and then they ended up both going to Fresno State so my brother went to Fresno State as well uh they're both recruited uh by coach Dub uh to go over to Fresno State and um so I've been watching Devontae for a while and I never nothing ever to bro's point nothing ever stood out about Devontae like just oh he's never wowing you with his speed he's never wowing you with his you know athleticism or his technical Right. Just, you know, he he wasn't just, he was just super technical and savvy and bro would always get open and bro was just always open. I mean, he also had a car throwing the ball over there and I was just like, okay, like he's good. But I didn't see necessarily generational talent when he was there and then seeing what he's doing now in the league. And I can still compare him, even though he's doing what he is, he's a top five wide out in the league. He is still... I could compare him to. Something, I think a few weeks ago, Croc. I compared him. What it was, I was looking. I was like, "Who is he? Remind me of so much." It's Stevie, Stevie Johnson. I was like, "You reminds yeah. me of Stevie Johnson." Just the way he gets, the way he takes his time, he's patient. Like he's never in a hurry, but he's always consistently whooping dudes one on one. He's whooping dudes where they can slot outside. It don't matter. You can put him anywhere. He's gonna, he's gonna win. So, I think that's to Bro's point that Devonte isn't really a generational talent in the sense of his physical traits. Uh, what I will argue though is. Neither was Jerry Rice in the sense in the, the sense of his physical traits. Like there's a lot of people built, move that you could compare a lot of people to Jerry Rice how they get in out of the break. Like people, a lot of people compare, you know, a poor man's version. But I've heard Amari Cooper compared to Jerry Rice, just the way they they play, the way they move. You know, yeah. not real flashy. Like you know, don't say much. Like I've I've definitely heard that comparison, and I think to Bro's point, like. I, Generational players can still make mistakes. Like I think he was trying to make the point of you know Debo fumbling or you can not come down the ball. Like I don't think that doesn't make you a generational player because if you remember the Green Bay, the Green, I think it was ninety eight. The uh, ninety eight Jerry <laughs> Rice fumbled the ball. Like it, that, I don't. So I don't think like you know what I mean. And, and if that had stu- if that if they had replay, then that would have
0: the- replay. Forty nine ers would have lost that playoff. You would have lost
6: that game. And so does that make Jerry Rice not a generational talent? No. So I mean. Coming up clutch or doing these things, I think uh, you had said it before, right before we had hopped on here, mm-hmm. uh, the call right before us. I think he hit it on the head. Was it's your, it's your, it's the freak like nature, like the Megatrons, mm-hmm. the Randy monsters, the Julio's, the essential outliers when it comes to how somebody is built in their stature, how they move, how how you know how physical they are after they catch the ball. Like Debo, I think is closer. I think a lot of people think as far as generational talent because you said it too Croc like he makes plays when they're not fucking there like they're not there like at all like he's not supposed to do the things he's doing and running through people and like like he's not supposed to do none of that like when he makes plays like out of nothing like or when he catches the ball and bounces off like there was a play last year I think they were playing the Rams bro when he like literally caught I think it was like a hitch route he caught the ball and just bounced off of like three different like guys. Like, I think Ram- Ramsey was one of them. Ramsey's a hell of a tackler. Like, the, it, it's just it's it's crazy how people bounce off of him, bro. Like, and and I think he's more cl- I think he's closer to a generational talent than you would say a Devontae Adams because there aren't guys just he doesn't even look like a receiver. Like, he can still pull away from guys too. Like he has
7: a little extra speed. I think, I mean, he's very clearly faster than a Devontae Adams. He's probably, I mean, I think he's faster than a Stevie Johnson. He's mm-hmm. built in a similar role as an Anquan Bolden, you know, I think he was like 10 pounds lighter, but faster than those guys too. So yeah, I mean, to your point, my question in this conversation was what is a generational talent? What are we using to describe what that is? Is it the freaky athlete? Cause yeah, we could say that's a physically gifted generational talent. The Calvin Johnson's a six, five, what was he 220 something like that he could still pull away but also uh contested catcher you line up you know he would change how defensive backs guarded him you know you add another safety over top have three guys guarding him that's a generational physical specimen with great talent but then like you said uh jasper as well you talk about Jerry J.A. rice and the Devonte adams there's guys faster than those, those guys but those guys are like death by a thousand cuts and they also had you, you guys might think this is funny, but I would also say they have probably generational work ethic too. Jay Rice built a little bit differently when it comes to the work ethic. You have to have, you know, the health as well. But my thing is, what is a generational talent? Is it is it what we're seeing on the field and the physical aspect of it, too? Or is it, um, is it. You know, the skill set that they bring, so like with the I, Debo Samuel, go ahead, go ahead.
0: I I think there is a difference. I think there's a difference between, and that's why typically I kind of separate it because there's a difference between a generational prospect and a generational player, right? A generational prospect is the freakish guy. It's like, I can't draft a guy like this every year. Not sure what he's going to be, but I know this type of guy only comes around every blue moon, right? A generational player in the NFL is just someone who exceeds maybe all expectations and how he mm-hmm. wins, and it might be different, but he does it at a high level. Look at Steve Smith. He wasn't a yeah. generational talent coming out of college, but he ended up being a generational player because he willed him his way. And when I say generational player, it's because how many guys look like Steve Johns, Steve Smith, how many guys look like Steve Smith, but were able to win the way he did, Right. Because he was a contested catch guy. He was oh, yeah. run away from guys. He can return punts for touchdowns. And was bro was nasty. not 5'10". <laughs> yeah, not 5'10". And there just aren't guys like that, typically, that went at the rate as him. Same with, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, with how right. he won at the size that he's at and the way that he was winning on a consistent basis. The numbers, the stats that he put up for an extended period of time for years on top of years, uh, you know. But he wasn't a generational prospect coming out, but he mm-hmm. definitely turned into a generational talent because we don't see the guys like Antonio Brown having that type of production, f- to, right. you know, throughout their careers. I
7: right. think I think Debo's starting to build that case right there. I think you just said it right there that Antonio Brown. It's going to take some more years to you know be on that Obviously, level. Yeah, but I, I I would agree with you on that. He's on that trajectory should he stay healthy and continue to produce like he is. I think well, he's on that, is that it, pace.
6: Is Debo had entered the league. In the mid, I would say the mid two thousands, like the Steve Smith, he'd be doing, he'd be doing pump return, kick return, which is wild. Like any could do it, like because back in the day, that's what they would do. Crock, we talked about that, we talked about that over the summer, and um, you know, the, on the Wide Out Wednesday segments about, you know, how we didn't want our youth back there because you just don't do that anymore. Like, you, especially teams mm-hmm. and, like, and I talked about this in space a few days ago, like cats that were coming in the league that were had Debo skill set like that, they'd be returning, but they touched the ball all, they would touch the ball all the time. And that's just how right. they would like, you just put your best player in the best position to make plays. And he would be doing that. So, yeah, that's a great comment okay. right there. Yeah.
0: yeah. We got, we got, we got to stop there. Cause we got to save this conversation. Yeah. Y'all yeah, coming true. on tonight. Make sure you guys tune yeah, in to sure. my guys, Jasper and Jamal, Niner talk tonight, 6. p.m. Pacific time. They're going to be on here. They're going to be live, live and direct. They're going to come and talk to all of you. Y'all make sure you tune back in and then next week we'll be introducing another podcast on the channel. All right. Let's go. Until next time, we are out, y'all. Hold on. Appreciate y'all. Make sure I click this down. Boom. All right. Appreciate everybody in here. Make sure you like, subscribe, turn your notification bell on for when my guys go live tonight. Again, 6 p.m. All that good stuff. Underdog Fantasy, promo code CROCY. Uh Manscaped.com, promo code Crocky. All right. And uh, we are... We are... <laughs> we are out. Peace. Intercepted.
4: It is is fifty Crop
2: Talk TV Podcast. podcast. Peace. Peace.